0: Ryan
1: Ross. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, we have our special guest, Bill Johnson. And Bill, when I read your book, uh, The Way of Life, I tell you, um, I, I immediately started to imagine areas of my own life where I needed to adapt better to a kingdom culture. I'm a family man. I have two uh, teenagers. One's about to graduate from high school And, you know, just all the areas of my life the uh, I'm in ministry at my church, and you really make a clear, give a clear understanding of how I need to bring the kingdom culture in every area of my life. And I know that you, Bill, are used to that. You're used to that at Bethel Church and everywhere you go. But uh, thank you for being with us. And we want to dive right into kingdom culture.
2: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you.
1: Now you in your book uh your brand new book the way of life you you talk about the great the greatest commission and we 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 immediately at least I was drawn to what the bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel but there's a greater commission than that
2: Yeah there is that 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 commission is as glorious as it is is actually an expression of the greater commission and the greater commission is your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've been commissioned to pray and to make room for the demonstration of God's rulership, his kingdom, king's domain. It's the realm of his dominion to be expressed over sickness, disease, sin, uh, depression, brokenness in homes, poverty, all, all the stuff. is uh, has, uh, The kingdom has an answer for it. And so when we see brokenness, Seeking first the kingdom means that I look for the kingdom solution to that area of brokenness, that problem. And it becomes a a cultural effect. It becomes more than, you know, I can witness, I can share the gospel with somebody. That's an act of evangelism, and it's vital. But when you do culture, you actually create a way of life that sustains that which God is doing.
1: So even with all the miracles that you've seen and, and you know, we've, we've witnessed uh, just watching what you're doing there in Bethel and around the world, with all the miracles that you've seen and all the people that are coming to the Lord and all the things that you are, have encountered, it's still, you're saying like the, a subplot, so to speak, to the kingdom has to come first.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this prayer that Jesus gave is a prayer, but it's also actually the, uh, the language is actually a declaration. It's, it, it could be said, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. It's a, it's a posture of partnership with our Father to see the reality of his dominion expressed in day-to-day life.
1: So let me just uh, really put you on the spot here. When, when I, I love that it's a declaration. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here we are on earth— and all the bills we have to pay mowing the lawn taking our kids to school and so on and so forth what does heaven look like when it comes on earth so we know that it is happening
2: well first of all um the kingdom is internal so if i'm living with constant complaining uh, resentment, uh, conflict that I'm not displaying what his lordship looks like. Uh, mowing the lawn, washing the clothes, you know, doing the stuff that we do are actually vital parts of life. But he said, everything that you put your hands to do, do it as unto the Lord. And so we have an opportunity to take the practical parts of life and use those as sacrifices or offerings to the Lord. Mm. This means that I get to find joy in the most mundane parts of life because it's a part of my service to him. It's a part of my service to my family and those that I love. And so it's not just the act of mowing the lawn. It's the fact that I get to do it as an offering. I get to do it as uh, and experience the joy and the presence of God in the middle of any uh, activity that, that we're a part of.
1: So bringing the kingdom is not always, it is, but not always seeing somebody in the church get healed or get a miracle or the glory coming. It's an internal, it's, it begins internally is what you're saying in the, the uh, thousands of ordinary moments we have throughout the week.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And for me, that's what makes it so, so inviting. Um, Is because it becomes now very, very practical. It's not just, you know, if, if you think about Israel going into the promised land, they were sustained by miracles in the wilderness, but the promised land, they actually had to plant crops and grow them. So the destiny that God had for his people was not man on the ground. The destiny was a partnership between their natural labors and God breathing on their natural labors. There was a partnership there. And to me, that's the beauty of this life in Christ is that we it's not just the it's not just the supernatural interventions. It's the fact that he blesses the. Piano lesson, so the child becomes excellent. You know, he blesses the picnic and the vacation that we take with our family. It's everything; everything becomes a target for his influence.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up because most people aren't talking about that. And you know, just you saying it like that really changes my whole paradigm. Now, in the book, you call it the Kingdom of Abundance, and I'm going to read what you wrote here that. It still astounds me that God's idea of paradise, the Promised Land, was a place where He, where His people, would have to work. <laughs> work is a pleasure in His eyes, and it is an expression of worship. So, though they are going into this wonderful Promised Land with land flowing with milk and honey, hey, you got to work. But that was part of the the culture, of the Kingdom culture, uh, then and it is now.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I love the verse. It says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So what that verse does is it shows us God's intention to marry supernatural influence into the natural realm. We do what we're supposed to do in training for a situation, but as the victory comes, we know it's from the breath of God, the hand of God. He actually helped to bring that about. And sometimes it's by uh, the tumor disappearing. Sometimes it's the deaf ears opening. Uh, but sometimes it's very simple. It's very practical. He provides for you to be able to, uh, you know, to pay for the surgery or something. I don't know. It's just it's just the very practical parts of life. They merge and they marry, and they're supposed to. That's actually what the Promised Land was. And interesting to me is that um, in the in the wilderness, all the miracles were to sustain them, but in the Promised Land, the miracles were to advance them. Oh, that's good position him for increase. What he wanted was to put us into a place where he could trust us with increase, and that was the point.
1: So, with what you're saying, um, if it sounds like we miss a kingdom reality uh, in our day-to-day, because we're looking for the spectacular, we're looking for the tumors, like you said, to fall off, and th- those things are wonderful, especially if you need that in your family, if you need a miracle or healing. But it sounds like uh, we're we're letting kingdom realities pass us by, but not realizing that they're the day that He's in the day to day.
2: Yeah, you said it well. That's exactly it. Is that is that the problem? Now, I love miracles as much as anyone I know, and I will never stop pursuing them of all kinds. But the problem is, is you can be addicted to the spectacular and not be addicted to Him. Mm a sign points to something greater than itself. Uh, uh, a sign, uh, uh, the exit over a door, points to the exit itself. And so a sign, a miracle, always points to him. He never becomes boring. But if I get wrapped up just in the spectacular, uh, I'm only satisfied with something when something unusual has happened instead of seeing God's hand on the
1: usual. Which can obviously make the low points, quote-unquote, in life even even worse because we're just always living for the spectacular. And you, you talk about two words in particular in your book, power and purity. Um, where does, now that we've said all this, where does the power of God come into play with kingdom culture? Because as you said in your book that Jesus always met every dark situation of lack, sin, torment, and disease with a redemptive solution. So how do we begin to move in, uh, in our day-to-day life of that kingdom culture of power?
2: Well, it starts with with the mandate for prayer. I mean, it starts by coming before the Lord, making your request known, discovering what His will is in Scripture, and contending for that breakthrough to take place in whatever given situation we have. So it begins there. It begins before the Lord, where we lift our voice to Him, and we contend for that breakthrough.
1: So if I want to see the power of God in my life, it's birth through my prayer life.
2: Yeah, you get along with God. I, I mean, you want to see healing take place when you pray for people. Cry out to Him. You know, get along with Him. Do the fasting, the praying, whatever you need to do. Search the Scripture. Read, read the books on history, or if people have had great breakthroughs, spend time with those that you know that see the breakthrough. Do whatever you can to immerse yourself in that heavenly culture, so that you can uh, represent it well. And it, it becomes contagious after a while. It becomes contagious. You're in an environment of miracles. It becomes very simple. In fact, let me put it this way: it becomes logical to display them yourselves <clears throat> once you've been exposed uh, to how God works. Then, then it, it flows through us so much easier.
1: And along with that is, is purity. And uh, we all know the Beatitudes: the pure in heart see God, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. How, why is it that um, in a lot of our religious uh, settings today, not all of them, but in many of them, the the subject of purity is kind of glossed over and we don't realize, I think, in this kingdom culture, at least the way you talk about in the book, we don't realize in this kingdom culture how powerful purity is to sustain this type of lifestyle.
2: Yeah, why I don't know. I mean, there's just, you know, there's a whole bunch of problems, a whole bunch of issues in people's lives that, uh, you know, that they sometimes make excuses for. You know, it's an issue of holiness. We don't we don't understand that purity, holiness is the actual nature of God's presence. It's not a list of things that we do or a list of things we don't do. It's actually the nature of God being implemented into a human life. And so purity is is just worth fighting for. Its uh, purity is, is that which is opposed to compromise, opposed to betrayal, opposed to defilement. Purity is that singleness of devotion to Christ, and it's the whole thing Paul talked about, where he talked about the simplicity of devotion to Christ. Um, that's what purity is. Uh, he's the one who makes me pure. I don't make myself pure, but but I become pure as I as I yield myself to what he is saying and what he's doing. I, when you obey God, something happens to your, to your own personal nature and behavior and way of thinking. Um, all of that is an essential uh, part of living a life of purity.
1: And I've never heard it put that way before, that purity is worth fighting for. And I would imagine that the, the more time we spend with the Lord and the, and the purer our hearts develop and become, the more of this culture that you write about in your book and that you teach, it, we'll see more of that or, or greater, greater um, uh, examples of that in our life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that's true.
1: Now, you, you have a really neat story when you were in the Netherlands of a greenhouse and how that relates to the culture uh, that we need to develop here. Uh, what was that story?
2: Well, um, I went to the Netherlands and uh, it was winter. It was November, very cold, windy, rainy. And they wanted to take us, uh, we had an afternoon off, they wanted to take us to see some sights. And, you know, we just drove past the dikes and the windmills and all the typical things because it was too cold. So they took us to this greenhouse where they grew tulips, a series of greenhouses. And it was just fascinating to me to be inside where there's all this beauty knowing that none of that would ex- would last outside it was uh, it wasn't warm but it, it it was it was you know comfortable enough for there to be a uh, a bride having her photos taken in her beautiful gown by one of the ponds and such so the point was is that that greenhouse actually represented the effect of a culture uh, I was in a city once where uh, there's a, a cult base there, and that cult has affected the culture of the entire region, even affects the thinking and the values of people that are not a part of the cult. So they've created a greenhouse effect in a negative sense over that region. Well, the kingdom culture has the same same impact or same effect on people. Is that the way God thinks, what he values, uh, how his people implement truth, the relational boundaries, the values that we have for people, the the way that we treat money, the way that we treat work and hard labor and all these kinds of things, these things begin to actually create an atmosphere. And when you develop a kingdom culture in a church, the Lord lifts the veil so it begins to influence the city. Most churches have a religious culture that's not necessarily evil, but it's not transferable to the political office or the CEO's office, uh, you know, the educational office. And so what the Lord does is when it's truly kingdom, when it truly represents the dominion of the king, then he lifts the veil so it starts influencing the world around us. When that happens, people start thinking different. God becomes interjected into the equation, not because it was commanded, but because they are conscious. They're aware of other options besides the ones they normally Draw from, and when that begins to happen in a in a city, and then a region, the church actually begins to create what I refer to as a greenhouse. You 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 can grow things in a greenhouse. You can't grow outside. And what the church does is we tend to try to grow all these plants: uh, healthy families, uh, respectful teenagers. Uh, you know, go through the list: uh, drug free environment, all this kind of stuff. We try to grow that. It's like trying to grow plants outside in hostile environments. When you deal with the atmosphere and the value system of a region, you actually create an atmosphere in which all the things we want to grow actually grow quite easily.
1: Well, I like that a lot. Okay, so let me ask you this. There may be somebody listening that that says, you know, I, I love that. I agree with that. But my church setting and where I'm at, it's just... It's not tracking with what you're saying. Can can an individual that really loves the Lord and puts these things into practice, what you teach, can they by you know, of course, with the Lord, but on their own, can they affect the culture around them as an individual?
2: You can, but it happens through uh, being a model, being an example. It, it's culture is never forced on people. It it actually. Um, a cultural impact comes because there are people who live a, a certain way. They think a way that is different than everybody around them. And when people see the fruitfulness of the way they do life, then they start making adjustments in their thinking, in their values. Uh, the way people are treated, for example, just just taking like uh, what we refer to as a culture of honor, where we, we look for opportunity to honor people, even people that are real rascals in life. We look for the treasure that God has put in them and we look for opportunity to give honor. When you do that, people start thinking different on on how they should value maybe their neighbor, maybe their relative that's been kind of the black sheep of the family or whatever it might be. But the point is, is they start considering other options because of the influence. That doesn't come because a church mandated it. It came because there's a righteous influence in society that has provoked people to rethink their values. So, yes, anybody can have that influence. It starts with us in our internal world, our own you know, self-concept, our, our sense of what it looks like to be forgiven and to walk in the purity and power of God. It starts in our homes, the way we treat or why, the way I treat my wife and my children, and now my grandchildren, those are the things that really set the uh, the climate uh, for that kind of influence in the city.
1: Okay, Bill, your brand new book uh, in three CD set that you did here with us, uh, the Way of Life. Uh, what what is how is this going to impact people?
2: Well, I hope it it wakes wakes us up to what's possible. I'm hoping that it it kind of creates a template in our thinking my My big thing is is the issue of the renewed mind is that we think from divine perspective. and when you think from divine perspective, there isn't fear and there's always hope. there's always promise, there's always potential. and uh, if people can make those kinds of adjustments in the way they approach life. Maybe they're a dental assistant. Maybe they are the CEO of a company or a stay at home mother with three children. It doesn't matter what the position is, it's just every position is perfect for the invasion of God and his presence and his influence. And that's what I want. I wanna see I wanna see us take the commission that the Lord gave us seriously. The uh, discipling nations, the the whole issue of Healing the sick, raising the dead, all the things that he told us to do. I want I, I want people to keep it in light of the overall mandate, and that was on earth as it is in heaven. That we can't be satisfied with somebody getting saved or being healed as glorious as that is. I'm only satisfied when I see the nature of his world becoming our, the nature of our world. And and, and that's that's my, my, my focus.
1: This book in this teaching series it's wonderful, and I'm telling you the truth, as soon as I read it, I began, all these emotions begin to swirl in me of, of how I'm allowing that kingdom culture into my own life, His will being done in my life as it is in heaven. When we come back, we're going to have Bill share a little more about the oxygen of heaven and, and how to form this kingdom culture even in your own home. We'll be right back.
3: How would you like to live a lifestyle of miracles? Hearing God's voice, answered prayers, supernatural breakthrough, and fruitfulness for every area of your life? Pastor Bill Johnson says this lifestyle is available now. It's not for some elite status of super-Christians who minister from global pulpits
2: or preach in large crusades. It's for every believer. It is for you. It's my passion to illustrate the nature of Heaven, the prayer on Earth as it is in Heaven. When God gave us that assignment, he gave us the greatest commission we could be given.
3: Call now and get Bill Johnson's brand new powerful book, The Way of Life, Experiencing the Culture of Heaven on Earth, and his anointed three-part audio CD set, Activating the Supernatural Way of Life. This is an exclusive offer for our Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9560. Bill Johnson's powerful book, The Way of Life, Experiencing the Culture of Heaven on Earth. Earth is a treasury of divine wisdom. It's a banqueting table full of insight, revelation, and divine strategy on experiencing the supernatural as a natural way of life. In this book, Bill Johnson teaches you how to practice God's kingdom values, sustain a flow of God's miracle power that will help you walk in victory in every area of your life. Receive wholeness in body, soul, and spirit for your own life and impart it to others. Build supernatural relationships with God and with others. Walk in the complete work of the cross. Partner with the presence of the Holy Spirit moment by moment every day. Run toward impossible situations to release God's solutions. Get ready to encounter Jesus in a deeper way and have the fire of his presence ignite a greater hunger and faith within you. Bill Johnson imparts to you biblical keys on his anointed three-part audio CD series, Activating the Supernatural Way of Life, so you can be used to heal the sick, cast out demons, and walk in the miracle power of God on CD number one. Bill mentors you on how to create a solid biblical foundation for building a lifestyle full of signs, wonders, and miracles. On CD number two, Bill draws from over 40 years of personal experience with the Holy Spirit, sharing keys that create a continuous flow of God's miracle working power in your life. On CD number three, Bill shares how you can be a part of a supernatural generation of believers that God is raising up, where signs, wonders, and miracles will be a normal part
0: of everyday life. Bill Johnson was mentored by his father in kingdom culture Bill then mentored his family in kingdom culture then he mentored his entire church and school in kingdom culture and now he wants to mentor you this is a real how
3: Don't miss out on getting Bill Johnson's brand-new powerful book, The Way of Life, Experiencing the Culture of Heaven on Earth and his anointed three-part audio CD set, Activating the Supernatural Way of Life. This is an exclusive offer for our Supernatural audience, yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9560. Call or you can write to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9560 or log on to sidroth.org.
1: Call or write today. We're back with Bill Johnson, and I'm just really enjoying hearing the the nuggets of, of truth that he's sharing about kingdom culture. And and Bill, the, one of the things that is uh, a, a major issue uh, for believers, for anybody for that matter, is the anxiety and the stress of life. But in your book, you talk about how you feel peace is the oxygen of heaven. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, peace Peace uh, for a believer is a person. It's uh, There's nothing in heaven that is separate from God himself. So in a sense, he is the person of heaven. Abiding in Christ is a foretaste of that. And he has given us, as a part of our eternal inheritance, he has given us peace. He's given us that sense of presence all about us. And it is my gift that I've received. If I'm not living in peace, it's because I left it somewhere. It's because I abandoned it for fear. Maybe I became angry at a phone call this morning. could be somebody cut me off in traffic and I became so enraged that I, I lost peace, what I have to do is I have to go back to where I left it and I have to repent my way back into the gift God gave me, and that is, that is peace. And it's just worth protecting at all costs. It's not something I create. It's something I make place for. It's like faith is not the product of my striving. It's the product of surrender. Well, peace is the product of His presence, so when I yield myself to the one who will never leave me, I cannot help but experience peace. And it's just worth, uh, it's worth protecting.
1: Now, when we read the Word of God and, and we see all the wonderful things that, well, through the whole Bible, but what Jesus did and the miracles and the raising of the dead and Pentecost and, and so on and so forth— uh, in your book, you talk about how much now with a question mark. Like, how much can we expect? How much can we have? If you could just share with the people listening at home, like, wh- how much more is there that I can have in my own life of the presence and the power of God, or is, or is what we're seeing on Earth today is this is this about it till I die? Wh- where are we going with all this?
2: There is so much more. You know, I I, I personally don't think. The 100% full expression of the kingdom of God can be seen uh, here on earth because I don't think our bodies could handle right. the of glory that would be involved. But I do believe it's a ton more than what we've seen. And, and the reason I, I say that is that people were healed by touching Jesus' clothes. Um, they were healed when Paul sent a piece of cloth to another location. They were healed when um, Peter's shadow crossed them. I'm using healing just as an expression of right, the kingdom. So right. whether it's, it's poverty is being broken or reconciliation, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just using it as, a, as an idea. So here we have manifestations of the kingdom coming through a shadow. That means the spirit of God is resting on somebody so significantly that just being in close proximity to them brings healing to somebody's body. That's a lot more than what we've seen. Right. If we, if we look at church history, we see times in the Welsh Revival where without electricity in the building, they would see light coming out of the church, the tabernacle, the temple where they were meeting, and they would know that was the time to gather. It was, it was the presence of God was the light in that, in that building. We see these kinds of stories all through history where fire department is called out because the flames of God or are, are, are flames are coming out of the top of a building. And when they get there, they just see people inside that are worshiping. Those are extreme stories, but they're still real and they are normal to him. So the point is, is Charles Finney on a train pulls into a town and the town breaks into revival because the spirit of God resting upon a man changed the environment Of the city. He walks into a factory, stands there, doesn't say a word. People begin to drop on their knees out of conviction of their need for Christ. All of these are unusual experiences, but they do show us what's possible. And that needs to matter to us. That needs to matter that it's not just a historical point. It's not just an event in the past. The very fact that it's happened once is God's commitment to do it again if He can find a, a people that will believe for it? And so, when we're talking about a fuller expression of the kingdom, there's a lot more, a lot more than what we what we see now. If you look at just uh, the mystics, uh, mystic is a is a um, offensive term to many because it's associated with Eastern religion and such. But it was actually a term that was common in the church some years ago, and uh, so. Uh, you just read some of the history of these people that spent a lifetime praying and seeking God and what it looked like uh, for them in their service of God. Man, they experienced a whole lot more.
1: And you truly believe in, in, that the things you're talking about with uh, Wesley and Finney and the Welsh Revival with Evan Roberts and, and Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul and Peter, you believe, though, that every believer— can get to that place in their life where they have such a kingdom culture working within them and through them that they can see what what we read about from, from history. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is a spoken or written record of anything that he has done, ever. That's the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the anointing for the prophetic, prophecy either changes the present or foretells the future. So anytime you hear a testimony, you are hearing a spoken or written record of something that God has done in the past that he's wanting to release into the present.
1: Mm. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Again, putting you on the spot, uh, with somebody like yourself, Bill, that's seen so much uh, at Bethel and around the world, and for those who followed your ministry they know what i'm talking about you just so many miracles so many wonderful things happening in the glory and so on and so forth what does bill johnson do to keep that fire burning to keep that kingdom culture active for lack of a better term so because you've seen so much already that what keeps you longing for more
2: oh goodness that is the easiest thing in the world if you put yourself out there to serve and to love people. Yes, I see wonderful breakthroughs, wonderful miracles. I also see a lot of people that die. I see people that wheel in to our meeting in their wheelchair and they wheel out in the same condition. They travel from the other side of the globe and they come for their miracle and they leave without it. Yes, there's countless numbers who leave with their miracle, but there's so many who weren't helped. I'm not gonna take that and go go into shame or guilt. But I am going to use that as a motivation to cry out for more because everyone who came to Jesus left healed. Everyone Jesus went to that the father directed him to was healed. That's the only standard worth following. I'm not going to create, I'm not going to lower the gospel to my level of experience so I can Mm -hmm. be satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm a long ways away from being satisfied. I'm thankful, but I'm hungry. And uh, it doesn't take long to be with people in crisis and need to not come to the realization I need a whole lot more than I have.
1: So let me ask you this: uh, that I, I so appreciate that, and and in uh, your heart on that. Now, what about for you personally, though, for your personal encounter encounters with God? If if you could give us just a a little snapshot of the of the. Uh, prayer life of Bill Johnson. What keeps you hungry for more of him?
2: Him. One thing that happens in encountering the love of God is nothing else matters. And while you become extremely thankful for the grace that he's given you in that moment during that season, you also realize that you need more. It's not like he touched me and now I can go on and live the rest of my life. It's that when he touched me, when he visited me, he brought me so much closer that i I live with awareness of my need for him more and more it's it's like my dependency increases, my independence doesn't increase. my dependency increases it's it's growing down, it's becoming more childlike. That's part of what maturity is 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 the the more profoundly he touches you, the more. The more you live with the awareness that you really can't do life without him, without his voice, his presence, his comfort, and without his word, the Scriptures, man, I just I I can't imagine trying to do life without without that grace of of daily encountering his his kindness, his goodness. Wow! I just wouldn't, wouldn't want
1: to try. Well, wow. I just uh, had the privilege of interviewing Heidi Baker the other day and she was basically saying the same thing. It, it seems like with all the new teaching and the revelation and all that we see, it's still going to always boil down to things like John 15, uh, just abiding with the Lord.
2: That's it. Yeah, you're right.
1: So, uh, two quick things before we go. Uh, you, you like to give people the freedom to experiment. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, if uh, I'm an Apple computer fan, they have two basic departments. They have research and development and they have manufacturing. Manufacturing, the core value is zero defects. For me, that represents our character. The research and development, if that had core the core value was zero defects, you would never invent anything. They would never come up with an iPhone or any of the right. other things that they develop because you have to be willing to fail in order to find out what works. So when when it comes to church life, we tend to do zero defects, which means that we, cr- we create people who are unwilling to take risk. And so what we try to do is create an environment where we learn how to prophesy. I was just in a meeting with our staff today, uh, a couple hundred of our staff members here, and we had a, an exercise in which people turn to another person and begin to give a prophetic word. It, it's a safe environment because we know each other, and we will step out, we'll take risks, and if we're wrong, then we clean up the mess. But what happens in church life is the zero-defect standard that we have for our character gets moved over into ministry so that people are unwilling to try. Mm. They're unwilling to learn. Um, what does it mean to be in a public place to stop and ask to pray for somebody uh, that needs healing? You see them limping, so you stop and you pray. What does it mean to be in a store? Now, this is what it started for me so many years ago. I was in a store, and the owner was telling me how, how bad the arthritis was, and he was going to have to retire. And, uh, and I saw the Lord heal him completely. It was, it was a, an astonishing miracle. He was astonished. I was astonished. <laughs> But the point is, is you have to, you have to make room for God to show. He's the extravagant one. All we do is with our words, our prayers, our time, our actions, we create a space for him to invade. And so when you're going to take risk, I want people to experiment. I want them to learn how to hear from God. I want them to be able to, um, uh, to take their risk. And if they're wrong, then admit it. Don't pretend like, well, it was, it was, you know, it was the unbelief of the other person own up to it, admit it, fix the problem, but then try again. And that's what we do. In our school, we have a school of ministry. We actually tell them the first day of school they're required to fail at least three times <laughs> in the school year or right. we won't pass them. Right. They have, they have to be willing to be wrong in order to be right. Now, again-
1: That, that takes the pressure off.
2: Well, it, it does, it, it actually does. It, it it's not experimenting in morality or ethics or right. you know any of those kinds of things it's just let's learn how to do sometimes we're trying to learn things that we don't have anyone to learn from right you know, I, I didn't have a mentor to show me what to do with healing or prophecy so we just we just kind of tried on our own see what worked and see what didn't work
1: and in your book you you talk about something i i'm a huge sports fan my son is uh, 14. He plays baseball literally year round because uh, he's on all these traveling teams. Real good baseball player. My son, my daughter uh, jumps horses and all that. So, you said something in your book that said you, you said someone has to get the breakthrough so others can benefit. And you see in sports today, and you mentioned the four minute mile breaking the four minute mile in your book, but. It, it seems like records like almost daily are getting broken, but you you transfer that into the the realm of the supernatural that hey, if he can do it, you can do it.
2: no, that's absolutely true it, it's It's interesting that in the outpouring of the spirit at at Azusa street, that breakthrough actually caused a breakthrough to take place around the globe, mm, and there wasn't good. necessarily communication between the two locations All right. There's, there's just something about people getting a breakthrough that helps others. And uh, I, I can't explain it. It sounds a little spooky, but uh, <laughs> I just I do think it's true. There's something that happens when breakthrough comes.
1: No, and we appreciate that. We appreciate your ministry, and that's why we have people like you and Heidi and others on, because, hey, you know, he's telling us how to do it. I, I want to wrap it up uh, with, and I know you could talk about this for an hour, so, it, you know, it, it, just in whatever nugget you'd like to give about... Uh, making sure that we develop a kingdom culture at our own home and which is where we spend a lot of our time. Of course there's work and other places, but you really raise your kids uh, to, to understand kingdom culture so that carried with them into adulthood. So how does someone, how about this? How, how do they start to develop that kingdom culture in their own home?
2: Well, when you, when you're raising children, most parents are overly mindful of what a child is doing wrong. They don't pick up their toys. They, you know, they left their bike at the neighbor's house, whatever it might be. And in a kingdom culture, those things have to be addressed because a culture of honor doesn't ignore problem. But you live with the awareness that in, uh, they, they have found that it takes seven positive comments to recover from one negative. Wow. And so when you use that as a standard for how you do life, like when I come home, when I came home and my kids were small, <clears throat> my wife and I, Benny and I made an agreement early on, we never greet each other with negative issues unless it's an emergency. Mm, that's good. We always come in. It's always, it's always warm interaction. We I walk in, I would remind myself I'm not off work yet. I need several more hours just to interact with my children, with my wife, to be a servant to them. And so when you start having that kind of atmosphere in the home, it's an it's a atmosphere of hope. It's an atmosphere of pleasure and joy where you, you value one another. It doesn't mean you don't deal with issues. It just means you deal with them redemptively, not out of frustration. And so you're building something, a value system in children. You're, you're showing that the way I talk to my wife. Um, I'm teaching them how you value someone. Uh, we call it calling out the gold in someone. Uh, my, one of my kids was playing with the other one and helped him do something. And I stopped him. I said, Eric, he looked at me like he was in trouble. I said, do you know what that was? And he just gave me that blank look. I said, son, that was a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> that was kindness, and so what you do is you identify the right things, and you celebrate them. And when you have to deal with something that's wrong, you have you have currency to do it with. You have an emotional currency where you've invested in them, so it's a redemptive solution. It's not it's not a solution that just helps the adult to relieve frustration, and so um, we. We never talk about uh, negative uh, people uh, uh, People at the dinner table. We never sit and complain about a situation, uh, you know, that this person treated me bad or I wish that neighbor would stop doing this or whatever. That's never the conversation. There may be a time for those things, but not when you're sharing a meal together where you're celebrating life. So those kinds of standards just go a long way for creating a a healthy life-giving atmosphere where where people love to be there. Our our kids love to be in our home so much that we had uh, my my son Brian in his teenage years, his friends would come home with him because they could ask my wife anything. <laughs> they could bring up the most difficult subjects and she was so loving and honoring that she would help set parameters for for their moral lives for how they would think and what they would do with their life. We had uh, foster kids come and live with us whose mother and father both killed themselves. Oh. And the f- father before he died, he instructed the kids make sure you do the same. Oh and wow. So we had two of the five boys come to live with us and of course they're in therapy and all this stuff, but they were they were in our home for I don't think it was more than three weeks. It may have been four, but they were in our home for, let's just say, four weeks before the therapist said they don't need help anymore. They don't mm. need any more help. Mm. It was it, it had done so much to recalibrate who they were in their value system that they were able to to just go on and, and get healthy. You know, they, Things weren't perfect, but, but they didn't need that emergency kind of care that they once needed. And that's what a kingdom culture does. That's what the environment of heaven looks like in a practical sense. There's problems, there's conflicts, there's bills and disagreements and all this stuff. But handling those things redemptively is what the kingdom does.
1: Boy, that's good. And those who are listening, uh, he uh, Bill even goes into more detail in the book about that because I feel like there's many that want more on that. And uh, uh, just read read the book, The Way of Life, and you'll get you'll get Bill's heart uh, on b- building that kingdom culture at home. Bill, if you wouldn't mind just praying whatever's on your heart for those that are listening.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Father. First of all, we just we're so glad that we get to be a part of what you're doing. We're so honored at the privilege of. I'm calling you our Father and obeying you on earth and seeing things change. I'm asking for every listener, every reader, that there would be such an impartation of hope, such an impartation of faith, a grace to see your world influence this one. From the smallest things, like our garden, to the big thing of a transformation of a city and a nation. Fill us with hope. Let us be contagious in hope. I ask this, that the name of Jesus would be exalted.
1: Amen. 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 You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our special guest, Bill Johnson. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special offer.
0: Bill Johnson wants to mentor you on how to encounter the kingdom of heaven by marrying the supernatural with your everyday life in his brand new book, The Way of Life. And his exclusive three CD set activating the supernatural way of life. Bill says the new normal is when we learn kingdom culture, we all get to do the miracles. Call now for Bill's brand new book, The Way of Life, and his exclusive three CD set, activating the supernatural way of life for an investment of 35 US dollars to order call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Bill Johnson's brand new book, The Way of Life, and his an exclusive three-CD set, Activating the Supernatural Way of Life, Offer number 9560 for an investment of 35 US dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9560. Once again, that's offer number 9560.